right, let's stand and give God some praise this morning, this wonderful Sunday morning. Let's give him glory to be in the house of the Lord. What an amazing thing. You know, we all have a testimony. We all have something that God has brought us out of. He's still working on us. We're not even close to being finished. But he's the potter. We're the clay. And we're going to let him do what he wants, have his way. But this is our testimony. You know what it is. You know what you've been through. You know what God has brought you out of. Everybody's different. No two are the same. But the word of your testimony says lies. It changes hearts. Cause I saw Satan fall like lightning. I saw darkness run for cover. But the miracle that I just can't get over, my name is registered in heaven. I believe in signs and wonders. And I have resurrection power. Still the miracle that I just can't get over. My name is registered in heaven. And my praise belongs to you forever. This is my testimony from death to life. Cause grace rewrote my story. I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous. I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. Come together, sons and daughters, bought with blood and washed in water. Sing the praises of the Spirit, Son and Father. Our God will finish what He started. Our God will finish what He started. This is my testimony from death to life. Cause grace rewrote my story. I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous. I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. If I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe. If I'm not dead, then you're not done. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe. If I'm not dead, then you're not done. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe. If I'm not dead, then you're not done. You believe it this morning. Oh, greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe. If I'm not dead, then you're not done. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe. If I'm not dead, 
then you're not done. Greater things are still to come. This is my testimony from death to life. Because grace rewrote my story. I'll testify. By Jesus Christ the righteous, I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. This is my testimony from death to life. Cause grace rewrote my story. I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous. I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. Oh, if I'm not dead, then you're not done. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe if I'm not dead, then you're not done. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe if I'm not dead, then you're not done. Oh, yeah. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe if I'm not dead, then you're not done. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe if I'm not dead, then you're not done. But he's not done with you yet. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe if I'm not dead, then you're not done. Greater things are still to come. This is my testimony from death to life cause grace rewrote my story I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous I'm justified this is my testimony this is my testimony Is that your testimony this morning? You're still alive. We're still breathing. That means God still has something left for you to do. He's not done with you yet. Amen. And so may you say it's hopeless. They have never met my God And some may say it's over But it was finished on the cross And some may say it's broken But the healer's in the room Some may say it's hopeless But I know God's about to move Oh, he's about to move in this place 
my God about you. Oh, some may say, and some may say it's hopeless, but they have never met my God. Some may say it's over, but it was finished on the cross. And some may say it's broken, but the healer's in the room. Some may say it's hopeless, but I know God's about to move. My God's about to move. Cause there's a miracle in the works. I can feel it. revival in the church I believe in and some may see an ocean but he's made a highway through and some, some may see a mountain, mountain but we've seen a mountain move and some may see a graveyard but we see a miracle in the works I can feel it there's revival in the church I believe it there's a miracle in the works Church, I believe it. I believe it. And I believe it. Oh, some may see an ocean. Some may see an ocean. may see a mountain, but we've seen a mountain move. Some may see a graveyard, but we've seen his empty tomb. Some may see a battle, but I know there's a miracle in the work. I can feel it. in the church I believe it oh, oh there's a miracle in the world I can feel it and there's revival in the church believe it and I believe it oh, 
believe in. Oh, I believe in. Oh, yeah. And I believe in. So reignite, sweet away. Breath of God, come breathe again. Like the dry bones started shake, all that died will live again. Oh, the miracle you're making, the beginning, not the end. Eternity is waiting. See your church alive again. You're waking, the beginning, not the end. Eternity is waiting. See your church alive again. There's a miracle in the works. I can feel it. There's revival in the church. a miracle in the world I can feel it there's revival in the church I believe in I believe in a miracle in the words I can feel it he's moving there's revival in the church I believe it there's a miracle in the words I can feel it. Oh, there's revival in the church. I believe it. I believe it. So reignite, reawake, breath of God, come breathe again. Like the tripod started shaking, all that died will live again. Oh, the miracle you're making, the beginning, not the end. Oh, eternity is waiting to see your church alive again. Reignite us, reawake, breath of God, come breathe again. Like the tripod started shaking, all that time will live again. Oh, the miracle you're making, the beginning, not the end. Oh, eternity is waiting. 
see your church alive again. There's a miracle in the words. I can't feel it. a miracle in the works I can feel it there's revival in the church I believe it do you believe it this morning oh I believe it and I believe it I believe it. Ooh, I believe it this morning that God is moving. That God is going to do something great and he's not done with you. He's not done with you. You might be in here this morning and you just think, you know, my time has passed. Come back to him. He's not done with you. Your time has not passed. He's the redeemer. He will redeem the time that you've lost. He will redeem it. Come back to him. Come back to him. There's still breath in your lungs, and there's still things that he has to do. If there's still breath in your lungs, and there's still a plan that he has for you. He knows every hair on your head. He knows the thoughts in your mind. He's waiting for you to run to him. Put down what you're holding on to. Put down what's weighing you down. Let it go and run to him. He is the redeemer. Beneath the surface And what my eyes have seen Past the temporary I hear you beckon me to fall a little deeper, further than I've ever known. Breaking through the boxes, I'm running to your throne. Let's sing that again. Beneath the surface And what my eyes have seen Always past the temporary Past temporary Oh, I hear you beckon me And I hear you beckon me Oh, to fall a little deeper To fall a little Breaking through the boxes 
to you Ooh, I'm coming back to you
Dying now, run, child, run. Father, I am returning. And I'll stay where I belong. I hear the song you sing it. Crying out, run, child, run. Father, I am returning. And I'll stay where I belong. I hear the song you sing it. Crying out, run, child, run. Father, I am returning. And I'll stay where I Yes, Lord. I've looked and I found no one like you. I've tasted and seen, and there's no one as good as you. There's no one as good as you, Jesus. No one. I've looked and I found no one like you. I've tasted and seen, and there's no one as good as you. No, there's no one as good as you. Yeah. I've looked and I found. Coming back to you, 
too late to run back to the father his arms are still open wide he's standing there waiting on you his yes, daughter Lord. his son he's looking at you and he's he's crying out please i'm singing over you come running home come running home come running home it's never too late you've not done too much you've not gone too far there's no obstacle big enough there's no valley too deep no ocean too wide that he can't pull you out amen Amen. It's not too late to come running back home. The Father says, come home, come home, come home. I'm coming back to you. I'm coming back to you. Listen for his voice. Listen for his spirit. up your voice to him.
There's no one like you, Lord. There's no one like you, Lord. There's no one, no one. No one loves me like you, Lord. No one loves me like you, Lord. Spin the world around and hold me ever close. Who can search the depths of me and love me to the core? Who controls the world I see and walks me through it all? Let's sing that first verse again. Only him, only the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And who can spin the world around and hold me ever close? Yes. Oh, who can search the depths? Yes, who can search the depths of me and love me to the core? And who controls the world I see And walks me through it all No one but you
No 
we break the blinders off of people's eyes. We break the blinders off of people's minds in order that they can receive salvation, in order that they can be saved. God, regenerate their spirit. Make dead men live in Jesus' name. God, awaken their soul. Awaken their mind, God. Hallelujah, Lord. God, we come against alcoholism. We come against drug addiction, God. Generations that have affected families, we bind it in Jesus' name. We plead the blood of Jesus over families that struggle with alcoholism. We break poverty in Jesus' name. Impoverished mindsets in Jesus' name. God, we pray for those that are lost and far from you. God, give us creative ideas as we're getting ready for the new Light and Life class. Give us creative ideas to reach the lost as we're getting ready to launch teams out to go into the dark. God, give us creative ideas. Baptize us with the Holy Ghost and tongues in Jesus' name. Baptize us with fire, God, so that we can go out and proclaim freedom to a lost and dying world. God, we give you glory. We honor you this morning, God. We want you. We want more of you. We thank you and we glorify you. And if you agree with that, say amen. Or amen. 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 Welcome to service. Welcome to Life Church. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Everybody watching my live stream, we're so glad you joined us here this morning. We're excited to have you. And everybody who is in the house this morning, good morning to you. Good morning. Man, it's so great to be here and to see all of you here this morning. If this is your first time here, my name is Josh. I'm one of the associate pastors on staff, and I want to welcome you. We're so glad you joined us. If this is your first time, we'd ask that after service you visit the Welcome Center. We've got a special gift, and it's free. Hey, everybody loves free things. We've got a free gift for you. We just want to connect with you. You can fill out our Connect card so we can get to know you. We can help you find your place in the kingdom of God and find your special fit in our church. Listen, everybody wants to belong. And you belong here at Life Church, Amen. Hey, I do have a couple of announcements, but first, I'm going to give my wife the floor. Why don't you give her a round of applause as she comes? She's going to make an announcement this morning. This will be short. Uh, so we have a women's event coming up September 7th from 10 to 12. I saw a few people sign up. I'm asking more of you to sign up. Um, it's from 10 to 12. It's going to be a Scripture mapping, verse mapping thing. There's, if you've ever come to a verse mapping event before, it's going to be similar to that. But we also have another fun uh, session. Uh, it's called ABC Bible Quilting. It's you're not going to have to sew. It's it's still writing things down, but that'll be fun. So if you're interested, uh, go ahead and sign up at the Welcome Center. It's creative ways to dig into the Word. So um, you might like it. Amen. That's great. Going deeper. Creative ways to go deeper in the Word. That's our Wednesday. Pastor Tiger, why don't you come and tell us about the outreach class that is getting ready to start in October. He's going to share with that, give you a little bit more. All right. Good morning, Life Church. Okay. October the 8th. It's a Saturday. Say Saturday. October the 8th. 
Okay, we're launching uh, another Light and Life class. It's a six-week class. We're going to be doing it on Saturdays. The time we're going to do it here at the church is going to be from 10 a.m. to roughly 11:30 a.m. It's not a super long class, uh, but what we're doing is commissioning the church. How many people wonder if you've ever been called as an as an evangelist in the kingdom of God? Not really the office, but are, should you be evangelizing? This is how you know if you belong to Jesus, you're supposed to be an evangelist in the sense that God has called us to go after the harvest. So Pastor Bob had it on his heart uh, last year, I believe it was the beginning of last year, that we would start to teach the church to do uh, hands-on training for evangelism, going out, reaching the lost where they are. So that's what we did. We started uh, training people. I think this is the fourth class we're launching. We've, how many uh, graduates do we have in here by a show of hands? Look around. So there have been more than that. There have been more people than that that have graduated. Some are not here. But God is igniting this generation to burn for this generation, if that makes sense. So we're trying to catch the vision of Jesus because Jesus is the greatest evangelist that ever walked the earth. So this class is to train you, to equip you, to prepare you, to ignite you, and to send you to go out and get those who Jesus paid for. Because that's what he did. He paid a high price that the lost might know him. So if you guys are interested in that, uh, we have a, a sign-up sheet out in the foyer. Sign up, put your email, put your phone number, and let's do this thing. Amen. And we are organizing a centralized effort. We've, uh, As a staff, we've met together, we've talked about it, and we're organizing to take teams out to reach a certain area in the community. So we're in the beginning stages of putting that together. We'll be doing serve events. We'll be doing those things. So everyone who's going through the class, and even if you haven't, if you want to be a part of outreach, we're going to be doing more of those coming into the fall. Like I said, it's a we're going to target an area, and it's going to be a centralized effort that we'll be doing serve events and, and those types of things. So we've got some great things to come. A couple more announcements on uh, September 9th. Uh, it's a girl's sleepover. So when you drop your kids off upstairs, you can talk to Pastor Tracy. She'll give you more information about that. And also the fine arts deadline for your kids is going to be uh, September 18th. Unfortunately, we don't really do it for adults. We don't have many interested in fine arts, but it is for the kids. It's for the kids, you know, it's for the kids. So, hey, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8 says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your hearts to give, not reluctantly. Or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Amen. Hey, at Life Church, we've got four opportunities for you to give. We've got boxes on the back wall. We've got a text to give feature. We've also got a giving feature on our website. And we've got a Life Church app. We want you guys to be afforded every opportunity to partner with the Lord Amen. in giving. How many of you ready for the word this morning? Yeah. Amen. Uh, praise the Lord. That would be kind of fun, fine arts for adults. <laughs> kind of, do what? <laughs> I'm sure there's a few volunteers. It'd probably end up being more like karaoke night or something like that. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. It's good to see all of you this morning. I'm excited about this morning and the message that God put on my heart, but I want to take a moment and recognize, where's Quinn? There she is. This lady right here, I got a text this morning saying, see you in church this morning. I was so ecstatic. Um, Quinn York used to be a part of our church years ago. 
very faithful member of the church, and um, uh, had to move away to, I think it was North Carolina, um, because of employment, and now she's moved to Oklahoma, and we, we kind of lost touch. And um, so I was so excited to get a text message from her. Um, Quinn was not only just a great person, is a great person, um, but she was very instrumental to my mom in those last days of her life. And um, she was so faithful in going by the nursing home, checking on her, uh, talking with her, spending time with her. Uh, I, I just can't tell you what a gift you were to me and my family. And it is a joy to see you. I remember the first time she came. She walked in going, just kind of looking around like, what's going on here? I mean, she was green behind, as green could be. I mean, as new as new could be. But she grew and she grew and she grew. She asked questions. She, she was faithful. I mean, so, Quinn, it is a joy to see you this morning. Yeah, amen. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 16. It says, look carefully then how you walk, not as, the, as unwise, but as wise, making best use of the time because the days are evil. Uh, uh, this has been on my mind for a couple of weeks now, and I want to speak to you about God's timing. In fact, the Lord's already just kind of poured into me yesterday uh, for next week, and I, I, I'm not—I I won't give the title yet, but it's basically why God's timing is always perfect. And um, I—and I, I there may be one more after that. I'm, I'm just telling you. Um, I remember in Bible school. Uh, studying in the harmony of the gospels, my teacher in Bible, Bible college was, would, would always say, he said, God is never late, but sometimes he's divinely slow. And I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, and, but you know what I found out? It's true. And we're talking about God's timing. The scriptures are filled with references regarding time. Uh, when I first began reading the Bible as a teenager, it seemed like I was always coming across like two different phrases. One was in due season. In fact, I looked it up 26 times, depending on what translation you read from, but at least 26 times it says in due season, in due season, in due season. And I finally learned in due season meant in God's time, in God's time, not my time, in due season. Or I would see something like this, in the fullness of time. And I came to understand that too meant God's timing. How many of you know God's time and your time may not exactly and more than likely are not going to be the same? Because we're like, God, do it yesterday. And, and God goes, in a second. But the Bible says a day with the Lord is like a thousand years. So when he says in a second, <laughs> yeah, right. It's not happening like right then and there, right? Okay. I don't want to get all technical about this because I could really geek out on this kind of stuff, you know, but there are basically 
uh, two words in the Greek language that are used and translated into the word time in the Bible, especially it, uh, in the Old Testament and the New Testament. It is one or two other words, but the main two are these. And, and so I'm just going to kind of give you a background on these. And, and some of you, this is not new, but let's just look at it and review it real quick. The first one is the word chronos. Okay, it's, it's, the, it's where we get the word chronology. Like, how many of you have ever seen a timeline? Okay, I remember when I took my class in Genesis in Bible college, we had to make a timeline of the book of Genesis. And that was an amazing thing because when you start off, you got Adam, right? Whenever he was created, but from the time his years are numbered. And when you draw out the lines of every single person there, of course, there was Methuselah who outlived everybody. He was 969 years old before he died. And when you put it all on a timeline, you see all these connections and dots and events that begin to take place. So um, a chronos is simply a measurement of time. It can be quantified. It can be measured. Um, it can be seconds or minutes or hours or days or weeks or months or years. Here's the thing you need to understand that chronos time is linear, okay? And if you don't understand that, it's, it's like a straight line. It's, it's flat, okay? Um, for example, if you go, to, go, go buy a piece of lumber, you buy it by the linear foot. You know, it, it, it's not like you don't go in and go say, I want a piece of lumber that's eight feet, but I want it curved. You know, no, it's a linear foot. It's, it's straight, okay? Basically. Well, it's supposed to be straight, but I've got some lumber that's not necessarily straight. You know, I'm like, okay. But here it is. Chronos time is linear in that it moves out of a point in the past toward the future. And that's, again, that's what a timeline does. It shows a beginning point, and it goes all the way out. Chronos time is simply the increments or measurements of time that we use to mark out our lives. In fact, God established it. He said he created the light, he created the night, and, and he, he established night and day. And in doing so, God established chronos time. Because before that, there was no time as we understand it because God always was, right? So he, he, be, he began to start in the beginning to have a beginning, that means there had to be something prior to it. So in the beginning, God established the starting date. And so I, I thought as an illustration, a couple of weeks ago, I came across my hospital birth certificate. Now, this isn't the official one from Massachusetts. They, uh, I had to send off for that one for something else. But this is my hospital birth certificate. It's from the U.S. Naval Hospital in Chelsea, Massachusetts, which was the old Boston Naval Hospital. And, and all on the back here, it has everything from uh, the doctor's name, my height, weight, length, uh, my footprints. I mean, it has the date of my birth and everything. But on the front, it says here, I got to put my glasses on to read this little fancy print. And it says, in this hospital at 16.41 p.m. Sunday, on the 12th day of June, 1955, 1641. See, it's a military hospital. So, In other words, it's 441 on that day I was born. And, and, and what, my point is simply this, that um, 
it, it has it stamped on there the moment that time began for me. Now, I was alive in my mother's womb, obviously for months on end, but my life began at 16.41 p.m. on that Sunday on June 12, 1955. And the measurement of my lifespan will, will be from the moment I took my first breath to the moment I take my last breath. That is the chronos, the linear span of my, of my time. In fact, the, the psalmist says, Lord, teach me to count my days. In other words, let me take count of my days and make them, val let me value them and use them for good purpose for you. So when we make plans, for example, we base them on chronos time, okay? When you go to work, when you go to school, when you go on vacation, when you make an appointment, all of those things are linked to this word chronos, okay? Let me give you an example. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 and 5, it says this, but when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son from born from a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as son. Okay, in Galatians 4, that's what we're reading. It is simply saying that when the right events came together in history, God sent forth his son to be born. Why didn't he send his son before that? Because there were things that were pro prophetically proclaimed that were going to take place, but there were things that had to take place on the earth, uh, geopolitically, uh, all other kinds of things had to be put in line so that it was the fullness of time in which God would send forth his son. And that, that phrase right there, is the fullness of time, is the chronos of time. So he says, in the chronos of time, God sent forth his son. When everything was in order and everything was right, he sent forth his son, okay? So the other word, the other Greek word that is used for time in the Bible is kairos, okay? And it is a moment on the timeline of God that intersects where you are at the moment. Here we are walking out our lives on this chronos timeline, and, and, and God has something somewhere that as you are walking on this timeline, God boom, intersects with you in a unique and incredible way. I mean, something special. I'm going to give you several examples out of the scripture. But, but let's look at what, it is, what the word means, basically. It is defined as, as a moment that God intersects your life. It is an appointed time in the purpose of God, okay? It is, it is, it is a breakthrough. It's a time of crossing over. It's a coming into the fullness of something. It's, it's, it is a passing moment. In other words, it's not static. It's not there just waiting. In other words, it's not like it's there. You know, I mean, I, I, I remember years ago, my wife and my family, like they were my kids at the time, we were coming back from Indianapolis from general counsel. And, and uh, it was a beautiful day. We were in Indiana and we were headed back home. And all of a sudden, a gigantic rainbow came down right 
into the middle of the interstate where I was driving. I mean, it just kind of went, I hit my brakes. And my kids were like, Daddy, look. And I'm like, I'm looking, I'm looking. I'm looking to see if anybody's going to hit me because me, I never seen. They always said at the end of the rainbow, there's a pot of gold. I'm saying, this is my day, baby. (laughs) I mean, it came right down like 50 feet, 100 feet in front of my car. I I hit my brakes, put my emergency flashes on, kind of pulled off the end of the road, and it just stayed there. I mean, it was like, whoa. I mean, it wasn't there a second ago, but now all of a sudden, there it is. I said, I'm going to go see what's on the other side. And I walked up to the rainbow and stepped through. And when I looked, there was nothing. In fact, on the other side, I'm looking back. There's no color. There's no nothing. I'm like, where'd it go? I come back through again. There it is. And I come back through on the other side. Nothing. I pulled my car halfway through the rainbow. The front half, no rainbow. Back half, covered in a rainbow. That was a cool thing. I took pictures of it. I mean, you know, I'm like, when is that ever going to happen, right? But the picture of it is that I was driving on the road, I was just coming home, and then suddenly this thing, boom, intersected right where I was going. That is like a Kairos moment in the plan of God, that you are going about your daily life, you're doing your daily thing, you're doing whatever that is, but God comes and boom, intersects with your life in that moment, and you're not expecting it. You're not looking for it. You, it, it just happens, okay? Um, and, and, and the thing you need to understand is that it is, it is not a permanent thing. It is an opening. It's a moment. It's an opportunity in the spirit realm that has to be taken advantage of in that moment. Remember years ago, hearing the statement, if I can get it right, the, the opportunity of a lifetime is only good during the lifetime of the opportunity. I can't tell you how many times I get emails going, buy one, get three free, and I'll click it and go, Sale ended yesterday. And I'm going, oh, boy, you, you're sneaky, boy, you know. But guess what? The lifetime of that window was yesterday. It could, I, I had one the other day, and I saw it, and it came in like at 11.57 p.m., and I'm usually in bed long before that. But I was up working on something, and I saw it, and it says, ends at midnight. And I said, I'm going to click on that in a minute. And I got busy, forgot about it, and I clicked on it at 12.01. And when I clicked on it, went to the website, said, that opportunity or that offer is now over. Missed it by one minute. I'm just saying that we need to understand that these kairos moments of God, the objective of it is to allow a person or persons to achieve the purpose or success that God desires in that moment in their lives. Many people can look back at a moment, and they may not have seen it or recognized it at that time, but they can look back at a moment in their life 
and recognize it was a turning point. If you are a believer and follower of Jesus Christ, you had a Kairos moment when the opportunity presented itself for you to come to Jesus. And you can look back. You didn't know it then, but you can look back now and see it was a life-changing moment. Okay? You may not realize. That's why the Scripture says, for today is the day of salvation. I can't tell you how many times I've witnessed to people and said, this is your opportunity. Well, I want to think about it. You may not have an opportunity to think about it. This is it, baby. That's, this is your Kairos moment. Now, I ain't going to tell them that because then I'm going to lose them there. But I'm trying to help them understand something. This may be the only shot you get. Okay? In, in that moment, you look back, and you can look at other events in your life. Pastor Josh has told several stories in his own life that, where God did things for him, and, and I, love, I love hearing story, the people's Stories where God intervened in people's lives, where God did something which you thought was going to be ordinary, and it ended up being supernatural. It, it, is, a, it is a moment where God drives through the purpose for your life in the realm of the Spirit. Now, here's what you need to understand is that God will not tell you when a Kairos moment is coming. I wish he would. I mean, how many of you would wish God would just say, hey, just three more days on Tuesday, 12.03 p.m. It's coming, right? No, he's not going to do that. I mean, because you know why? Because if he were to tell you, you're going to try and make it happen. There are some of you who know what I'm talking about. God gave you a promise, and you tried to make it come to pass. Abraham knew all about that. We're going to help God out. If God tells you he's going to do it, you don't need to help him out. You need to get out of the way. <laughs> but he's not going to tell you. And, and, and there's a lot of reasons why. I believe, I believe that. I mean, because... You, what you're going to try and do is take that Kairos God window moment and put it on your Kronos calendar events. And they don't work together. One intersects the other. They don't walk side by side. If God were to tell you when it's going to happen, there's a couple things that, that it nullifies. First of all, it removes the sovereignty of God out of it. God is who he is, and he'll do what he wants, when he wants, how he wants, through whoever he wants, period, whether you ask for it or not. He'll, he'll present that opportunity. He's going to bring it to pass. The other thing is it removes the biblical truth that says we walk by faith and not by sight. If he's going to tell us when every single thing is going to happen, then we don't have to walk by faith. It makes it easy. Oh, man, I just sit back, rock on the porch, wait till Wednesday to 10 p.m., you know, whatever. And the third thing is it negates one of the key purposes of the Holy Spirit 
who has come because Jesus went back to heaven. He said, I've got to go so that the comforter can come. And one of the key purposes for him in John 16 and 13 says, however, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak from himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, he shall speak. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 says, concerning the times and seasons, brothers, you have no need that I write to you. Uh, I use this a lot when I teach on Bible prophecy and stuff, but what, here's something you need to understand when we read this. The, people, the believers of that day understood the difference in the meaning of, of the word time as we're understanding it this morning. They understood this. Because when Paul says concerning the times, that word is the word chronos. It's the linear time. It's the time as we know it, you know, days, weeks, months, all that kind of stuff. He says, and, and seasons, brothers, but the word seasons is kairos. It's two different words. What do you think? We think seasons like spring, summer, fall, winter. In Louisiana, we have two seasons, hot, cold, brown, and green. You know, and for a New Englander like me, I miss the spring, and I miss the fall, and I miss all of those things. But the Apostle Paul is saying, in the chronos of time and the kairos of seasons, brothers, I have no need to write to you. In other words, the believers understood that there were two sets of time, two different ways that God deals with people, nations, kingdoms, etc. And so the Bible chronicles all kinds of those. And, and I'm telling you right now, the church... In the, in the world today, but especially the church in America today, is in a kairos moment. It is, it is at a, an, an integral point on, on the calendar of God. But most people who call themselves Christians, who are sitting in churches, or not sitting in them, uh, but they call themselves Christians, they are not seeing or sensing the kairos moments of God. They are focused on the chronos moments. Example, some of you right now are hearing me, but you're focused more on what's going to be for lunch when you leave here. Some of you are thinking, I hope he finishes so I can go home and watch the ball game. So you're, you're, you're operating on a chronos level, okay? But we read this earlier, and I'm going to go back and, and, and read it again, John 16 and 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And then there's one last part that goes to that verse, and here it is. And he will show you things to come. Now. You just said, well, pastor, I'm confused. You just said God's not going to show us ahead of time about things that are coming. He's not going to show you specific events with a date and time. But the Bible clearly states that we are, to, we are able to read and understand the seasons, the kairos moments in which we are living. We can sense when there is a kairos moment approaching. We can sense God is up to something. We sang about it this morning. 
There's a miracle in the house. There's a miracle on the way. I I can feel it, okay? I don't live by my feelings. And in fact, I wish that word wasn't in there. I'd like to change it. I can sense it. I can, because it's it's more apropos. It's, It's, I can sense God is moving. He's stirring. In, in, in Acts 24, Paul is standing before the governor, whose name is Felix. He's the governor of the region, and Paul has been falsely accused by Jewish leaders of stirring up dissension, something government leaders hate. And I'm warning you, take note of that. Understand the times in which we are living where Christianity is becoming hate speech. People go, oh, this is America. Wake up. There's a Kairos moment coming. I'm telling you. And so Paul's defending, he, he's, all the accusations have been brought against him. He's defending himself. And, and then the, the Bible has this verse in here, in Acts 24, 25, it says this, and Paul talked about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. Wow. Imagine going before the governor who's got your life in his hands, and, and you're, you're talking about the righteousness of God, the holiness of God, self-control, and the judgment that is to come against evil. And it says, and Felix was afraid and said. See, people say, oh, you shouldn't preach messages that cause people to get upset. Paul did, to the governor. If anybody you were going to be kind to, that would be the guy right there, you know. Oh, Jesus loves you in so many ways. But that's not what he said. And he goes on and he says, he became afraid and said, that's enough for now. You may leave. When I find a more convenient season, I will send for you. Word convenient season is the word kairos. He's saying, when there's a more convenient moment, I will send for you. What's interesting is two years passed on the chronos of time, and Felix dies. Two years, while that moment is is taking place where Felix is still ruling. That word that Paul spoke is still out there because the Bible says the word goes forth and does not come back into empty and void. It's, it's, it's working on the heart of Felix, but the Bible says two years pass and then he dies. In the meantime, Paul, on the chronos of time, is still in prison for that two years. And he's waiting for that Kairos moment, that more convenient time when he'll be able to speak to the governor again, and it never happens. Felix failed to realize that God had presented him with a Kairos moment, and he missed it. In Acts 26, just two chapters later, Paul again has been accused of all kinds of things. Now he's not standing before the governor. He's standing before King Agrippa. And he's defending himself against the accusations by the Jews and the political, uh, you know, religious leadership that's going on. And Paul recounts to King Agrippa 
how he was headed down the road to Damascus with orders by the Jewish leaders to put a stop to those who are spreading this message of the way of the gospel through Jesus Christ. And then he tells King Agrippa about the suddenly, the kairos moment when light from heaven, brighter than the sun, surrounded him and all of those that were with him. He told him how he fell to the ground and he heard a voice in Aramaic. I mean, this is, this is not like, like uh, a message in tongues or something. It's a voice in Aramaic. Paul understood it. This is what says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He goes on to tell how he converted to Jesus Christ. He goes on and tells how, how that he was blind from that moment. Three days later, a man came and laid hands on him and scales fell from his eyes and, and he was filled with the Holy Ghost. And then he recounts every single place that he's been since that moment, that Damascus moment, that Kairos moment. He's every place that I've been since I had that heavenly encounter with Jesus. And he finishes his testimony, and King Agrippa says to Paul, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul responds, short time or long, I pray to God that not only you but all who are listening to me today become what I am except for these chains. Paul had a moment that changed his life. And every time he was brought up on charges, every place that he went to, every time he stood in a synagogue, any time that he came against opposition, he told the story of what happened on the way to Damascus. It was his Kairos moment. I mean, he had others, but that was the one. It changed him. It changed, it launched the church. I mean, and here's what you need to understand is that we, you, me, can miss the moment in your life that literally changes your history. Those moments will change your future, which in change, change your history. See, I can't undo the past, right? The past is the past. But God has forgiven the past. But that moment here, that Kairos moment, that intersects, comes to port in my life, and that moment can change me in such a way that it not only changes my present course, but it impacts my future. And so when we think of history, we think of the past. But when God intervenes in that moment, it's the future he's changing. He's changing it. Let me, and let me just give you a few examples. I'm going to try and go through these real quick. But I just felt impressed to tell you about them. In 1983, I, I received a call from a pastor in Thibodeau, Louisiana. I didn't know where Thibodeau was. And I couldn't find it on the map because I was looking for a T-I-B-I-D-O, Thibodeau. And so I, I didn't want to go down there, but was, I'll just skip all the other stuff. The point was that my mentor, my father in the Lord at that time, 
was, was also involved in. And he said, when you go, you tell the pastor there are three things that you demand or require. I said, okay. He said, write them down, boy. That's the way he used to talk to me. And I said, yes, sir. And he said, tell them you get one day off a week. That's your day off. You don't care if the church burns to the ground. I said, tell them that? He said, tell them that. Yes, sir. What's the second thing? He said, you tell them that you answer to him and no one else. You don't answer to the board. You don't answer to deacons. You don't answer to anybody but the pastor. I said, that one, I, and that's good. He said, and tell them that you require $20,000 a year starting salary. Now, this was way back in 1983. And I said, okay. And so we came down to Louisiana, and we, we met with uh, the pastor. We stayed in his home. Uh, um, I, I preached that Sunday night. The board met afterwards, and, and we went home to the pastor's house and with the pastor's wife, and she was feeding us tuna fish sandwiches, I think it was. And, and um, it seemed like when we always went to his house, we were eating tuna fish sandwiches. And, um, and, and I love tuna fish sandwiches, so that's not a big deal. But anyway, but I learned to eat them with mustard. I don't know why. He always put mustard on his. I thought that was crazy, but now I can't eat one without putting mustard on it. And so anyway, he comes home. He goes, the board is met, and here's, they, want, they want you to come on, on staff. I said, great. He said, we agreed to the one day off a week. We agreed to you don't answer to anybody but me. But the part about $20,000 a year, they bucked that. They said, they'll start you at $18,000. And I said, we done. I went upstairs to where we were staying in the home. I told my wife, pack, pack stuff, we're leaving. She goes, what happened? I told her. And she goes, I think we need to pray about this. I said, nope. Bobby said, my mentor, Bobby, he, he said, 20000 tell him, take it or leave it. She said, but I think we need to pray about it. How many of you could say, praise God for a godly spouse? And I said, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, I don't want to pray about it. It's my way or the highway, right? But she said, would you please pray with me about this? Fine, we'll pray, and then I'll tell you no. But we prayed, and we felt God was saying, come, okay? And when I called my mentor later, he said, boy, you shouldn't have done that. I said, we felt impressed of the Holy Ghost, that that's what we were supposed to do. What we couldn't see was that 60 days later, the board was so impressed with what we were doing, and because I was wearing like seven different hats. That's why I have no hair anymore. I was changing hats out all the time, you know. They said, we're going to give them a $3,600 a year raise. So instead of making $20,000 a year, I was now 60 days later making twenty-one six. Because we listen to the voice of God. But more important than that, God used that to move my wife, Amanda, and I to Louisiana in 1983, in August of 1983, August to Louisiana. He couldn't have picked January when it would have been comfortable, right? I mean, August of 1983. 
And I don't have the time this morning to tell you all the things that God has done in our recognizing that Kairos moment in my life. But I made a real quick short list. First of all, I wouldn't be here today. Second of all, Pastor Justin wouldn't be here today. Pastor Tracy with the children wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't have the grandchildren that I have today. There are other staff members that would probably not be at Life Church today. In fact, Life Church probably wouldn't be here because it was on the verge of bankruptcy and it was recommended by the, the, by the state that the building, the, the church be shut down and the building sold off at an auction. But God, But God said, I have a plan. I have a purpose. We had promises. In October 14th of this year, we'll have been standing on those promises for 18 years. And we're seeing them come to pass. Here's what I'm trying to help you understand that it is imperative that we as believers recognize that there will be, say will be, there will be. Look at your neighbor and go, will be, will be. He's talking to you, will be. There will be kairos moments that will intersect the chronos moments of your lives. They will come. And there's a reason I'm telling you this, so please stay with me. So how can we recognize them? Romans 8.14 says this, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. These ordained moments that God has, they may be a person that you meet. They may, they may be a moment in the presence of the Lord. It may be uh, that you're at a particular meeting or a particular service where God begins to move in a particular way. My, my mentor years ago, my First father in the Lord, he would always say to me, he said, Bob, don't miss a church service. You just don't know when God has something planned for you at that service. And now as a young believer, that was intriguing to me. But you know what I learned later in life? I don't want to miss because it's not just about me. It might be that I am the catalyst or I am the vessel that God is going to use to bring a Kairos moment into somebody else's life. And if I'm not there, then who is God going to use? Where is he going to have to? He's, what is he? You say, well, God's not limited. I understand that. But God has those that are supposed to be being led of his spirit. Most Christians are led by their feelings. Oh, man, when the music gets going, come believe me, I get it going. I'm sitting there stomping my foot, and I'm like, hit that drum, man, make that bass go. We're going to town. We're marching. We're going. We're going. We're going. And that's easy. Do it when there ain't no music. Do it when there's no one around. Do it when the lion's roaring. You've been thrown in the pit. And you're going, God, where are you? It's only when we look back that we see those Kairos moments in our life. I'll give you another story. 
before we even came to Louisiana, my, my mentor in Tennessee was trying to get us to come. And, and I always had time to tell you, tell you that whole story. It's so funny. And, and, but I can't. I don't have time. So, but I was like, no, no, I don't want to go. No. My wife even told the pastor. What was crazy is my mentor called me, and the pastor in Thibodeau called her at the same exact moment. I'm at work. And he's telling me about it, and I'm going, I'm not interested. And my wife's telling the pastor, he's not interested. I hung up the phone, and it rang. I thought, boy, he don't quit. My mentor. I pick it up, and I said, I told you. I said, no. It was the pastor in Thibodeau calling me, and my mentor had hung up and called her. I'm like, that's freaky. Didn't even have time to put it on the receiver. I mean, put it down. Ring, ring. I said no. Oh, who? Pastor who? <laughs> I'm serious. Well, we're like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I get a phone call in the middle of the night, police department in the, in the town in Tennessee where my mentor lives, where I used to live, where I used to have a, a restaurant that I still had a house that I had rented out because I couldn't sell it. They called and said, your house has been vandalized, and we need you to drive up here to Tennessee to fill out a police report. I said, like, I don't have anything else to do with them to drive all the way to Crossville, Tennessee. So I called my mentor, and I said, I need a place to stay. He's got a large house. And I said, can I stay with you? He said, come on, boy. We'll talk. I said, no, no, we ain't going to talk. I just need a place to sleep. Fill out the police report. I'm headed right back home. Ended up spending three days. He started talking to me about hearing God, following God, calling my life. I mean, all of those things. I'm like, I know, I know, I know. He said, well, you say you know, but you ain't doing you know. Now some of you laugh. You're having that same conversation. And uh, he said, come go with me. I said, where are we going? He said, Nashville. I said, I ain't got time to go to Nashville. It's two hours away. He said, get in my car, boy. Went to Nashville. He took me to his private tailor. He spent $1,000. Now, this was in 1983. $1,000, a lot of money even today, but back then it was even more. He bought me two very expensive suits, two sport coats, slacks, shirts, ties, shoes. I said, what's this for? He said, you're going to need it when you go to work at that church down there in Thibodeau. I said, I didn't say we were going. He said, you're going. And then when we got home, he hands me $1,000. He said, now go buy your wife three or four nice dresses, not them Walmart things. He said, go buy or Kmart things. He called them Kmarts. You know, he said, he said go buy her some dresses that cost several hundred dollars. And here's another $500 and go buy your kids sh shoes and clothes so that they'll be presentable in church. I said, my kids look decent. <laughs> and then we came. I'm just telling you, I look back now, God had to vandalize my house to get me to go up there to listen to him. You say, oh, I ain't buying that. 
Okay, well, Paul just went blind and had to sit in, in a town for three days blind and he couldn't see, couldn't eat, and he had to wait for a guy who was arguing with God about going to lay hands on this guy who's killing Christians, and God says, but I have a plan. It was not only a Kairos moment for Paul, Saul, who became Paul. It was a Kairos moment for that man who God called to go lay hands on Saul. You don't know what God will do. You don't know where he'll do it. You don't know how he'll do it. But I can tell you that God has a moment that will change your life. It altered the course of where I was. I was selling insurance. That's not a bad thing. I mean, some of you go, ooh. <laughs> I was selling insurance, but it thrust me into the ministry. Why? Because I was running from the call. I had been in ministry, and I got hurt by church people, and I was fed up by being hurt by church people, and God said, I want to send you to minister to church people. I said, I'll give them money, and somebody else can go. But God used that moment to thrust me back into ministry. In Mark chapter 13, Jesus is describing what's going on in the last days, and it says in verse 13, and uh, verse 13 of 13, chapter 13, it says, Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. The word time is kairos. And so what I'm saying is that kairos moments don't usually happen when you think they should. In fact, they usually happen when you least expect. I'll give you an example, the day of Pentecost. Nobody saw that coming. Jesus didn't say, go wait in the upper room, and then on the day of Pentecost, I'm going to send off wind and fire and tongues and, and do incredible things in your midst. What did he say? Go wait in Jerusalem until the promise of the Father comes. And I guarantee you, of those first 10 days, probably the first six or seven was guys arguing, because I know how groups of guys are. And they're going, well, what do you think it is? I know what it is. No, you don't know what it is. None of us know what it is. I got a better idea than your idea. My idea is better than yours. And finally, after about six, seven days, they finally go, none of us know. Let's wait for the promise of the Father. And I got to thinking about it. They had no clue what the promise of the Father was. They had no clue what it would look like. They, they, they didn't know. They had no clue how they would know when it would come, that what they would do once it did come. They were just simply waiting on God. And then it happened. Anyone who knows anything about the Brownsville revival that broke out on Father's Day of June 1995, that was a Kairos moment. If I, I wish I could let you hear the whole story, but I'll just tell you really quick in a, a two-minute nutshell, the pastor didn't even want to be there that morning. His mother had died just a few weeks before. He was grieving through all of that. He had determined that he wasn't even going to come to church that way because he had a guest speaker named Steve Hill who was coming to preach. He thought, good reason I can stay home. But then he remembered it's Father's Day, and his church always had a Father of the Year award. And, you know, the kids would vote and write in why their dad was the best or whatever. And there was a child, they found out that th their dad had won the award, 
And, and they went up to the pastor and said, are you going to present my daddy with the award on Father's Day? And the pastor has said yes. And he remembered. He said, I could see that little child's face. And I thought, I can't break the heart of that child. I can't lie to him. Oh, people would say, but you're the pastor. That child won't understand. Can I tell you what? He understood the importance of his word to that child. He said, I'll go, and I just hope he gets done fast. I hope he'll just do whatever he's got to do, pray. We'll give him an offering, send him on his way so I can go home and just grieve. And God showed up. He gave an altar call. Almost 900 people responded. And you can, listen, you can listen to the message online. It's nothing great. There's, there's, I've listened to it over and over and going, there's, there's nothing exciting about this. God was in it. And when the altar call came, hundreds came forward. Hundreds came forward. And the pastor was so shocked. And he saw him going down to pray for him, and he thought, well, if I go down and help pray, maybe we can get these people out of here and I can go home. He stepped down, and when he did, all of a sudden he said he felt wind coming around his legs. He felt like water swirling and beginning to rise up, and all of a sudden he couldn't move, and down he went backwards for like six hours on the platform. As the Holy Ghost moved, and for the next almost five years, four and a half million people from around the world came through there. It was a Kairos moment. But he wasn't looking for it. God showed up. This is the thing you need to understand is that they don't happen every day. And it's one of the reasons that we need to be in the place, in the position to be ready for when it does happen. In Galatians chapter 6 and 9, it says, Let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season, kairos, we shall reap if we do not give up. That's why the Apostle Paul warns us, don't give up. He tells us not to let every day things wear us down in as much as that it might cause us to miss that kairos moment of God. Can I tell you something? Walking by faith can make you weary. Let's be honest. Walking by faith is wearisome at times. It's difficult at times. The constant, why God? Where are you, God? Why is this happening, God? And then finding the inner fortitude inside to stand up each day, even though you think you can't take another breath, you can't go another day, and you stand up and you declare God's word to be true and your life to, to be in obedience to the word and to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, or even greater, to walk the walk when you don't feel him leading you at all. We're walking by faith. The song says, it requires great spiritual strength. You say, oh, but people of faith, 
Don't even get me started. I'm just telling you. And if you think that you're going to have this great spiritual faith by uh, reading a one-line prayer and a one-verse-a-week kind of thing, I don't know how to tell you this, but you're not going to make it. Joseph had dreams. His family were bowing before him. He ended up betrayed by his brothers. They sold him into slavery. They concocted a story to their father about the boy's death. The master, his, his master's wife tries to seduce him. He won't surrender to her advances. She cries rape. Joseph ends up in prison. Joseph inter, interprets a man's dream that's in prison with him. Uh, it comes to pass, but the man fails to tell anyone of the good that Joseph did until a Kairos moment took place. And that Pharaoh has a dream that nobody can interpret. And suddenly the man who remembers the, Joseph, who interpreted his dream, says, there's a guy down in your prison cell, Pharaoh. He interpreted my dream and it came to pass. Go get him. And Joseph comes out and we know what happens. The next thing you know, he not only has, tells Pharaoh the dream, he tells him the meaning of the dream. And the next thing you know, Joseph is second in command to Pharaoh only. There are some of you that the enemy is trying his hardest to wear down. I'm almost done. Don't miss this. There's some of you, he's wearing you down. He's doing his best to wear you down. I had a man one time tell me when I was just a teenager, and filled with my teenage wisdom, I responded. He said, devil, don't bother me. And before I could even stop myself, I said, because you don't bother him. He looked at me. He said, you young whippersnapper, think you know everything. He told me, so I got enough of Jesus to slide under them pearly gates. And in my infinite teenage wisdom, I responded, there ain't no slip and slide in heaven. If that's your way of getting in, you're not going to make it. I've learned to zip my lip once in a while or to temper the way I say it. The enemy, he's trying to wear you down. He lies to you. You say, God isn't listening to you. God's forgotten all about that promise that you say that he made to you. He ain't, he ain't bring back your kids. They're lost. He'll lie to you. He'll point out the success of others. And then he tries to get you to compare your life to their life. And, and as if you're supposed to compare. You are each unique, and God has a divine purpose and call for each and every one of you. Do not fall into the trap of comparing your life with others and go, why are they being blessed and I'm not? Why is this happening for them and it's not happening for me? 
In Matthew chapter 16, verse 2 and 3, Jesus rebuked the religious leaders of his day. He said, when it is evening, you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red, and in the morning it will be foul weather for the sky is red and overcast. Oh, you hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, he says, but you cannot discern the signs of the times, and the word times is kairos. Jesus had come preaching that he was the Messiah, and they rejected him. They didn't even understand who he was. And he rebukes them, saying, for you can understand things in the natural, but you cannot see things in the spiritual realm. I can hear Jesus saying that in the average church in America today. You're more worried about your 401K and your retirement plan and your job and, and, and your comfort and, and everything else, and you cannot understand the time in which you are living. You do not sense and understand the very kairos moments that you are facing individually. The church itself is facing. America is facing. He's saying, wake up. We pay more attention to the natural events that are happening around us instead of hearing what the Spirit of God is saying. So I said, Lord, how do, how do, we, get, how do we put ourselves in that place that we, we can hear, we can see, we can prepare ourselves? First Peter 5 and 6 is, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due season. Again, the word season is kairos. And there's that word of humble. It, it goes back to that idea of, of the potter telling handling the clay and making that pot into what he desires and, this, and, and humbling yourself is allowing God to do what he wants to do in your life the way he wants to do it. Imagine the clay going, hey, 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 you're getting a little rough there. How about I slow it down a little? Want to be pretty? God's saying, I don't need pretty. I need functional. Ow. Say amen or oh me, one of the two. <laughs> I'm just telling you. That's the way it is. See, the potter can do with the clay whatever is necessary to bring about what the potter has designed. And that's why we cannot fall prey to the trap of comparing ourselves, our lives, our situations to others in the world. You cannot do that. And all of us can fall prey to that. It's hard when you see those around you, your friends, your family, your peers, who are doing what you're doing in the same manner. You're living a more holy or righteous life. You're serving God and doing all those things, and yet you see them going up the scale. means nothing. For God is able to do what he wants to do in your life. When you say, Lord, here I am, do with me as you please. He goes, thank you. I think I will. And who am I to complain when he begins to do it? See, God has made you, he's making you into that which is purposeful in his kingdom now. He's doing that. And not understanding it will lead to, to frustration. It'll lead to disenchantment. It'll lead to discouragement. And it'll lead to deception. First Peter 5 and 6, go back to it again. He says, humble yourselves in the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due season. Look what he says, that he may exalt you in a kairos moment. There's going to come a time where God 
sees your being humble, being in obedience, being under his direction, and allowing him to do what he wants to do. But can I tell you that before that exaltation, before that exalting comes, there are seasons of trials, there are seasons of promotions, there are seasons of change. But if you are faithful, he will exalt you in due season. And that's why I can tell you there is a Kairos moment in your future. I said there is a Kairos moment in your future. Turn to your neighbor and go, he's talking to you. See, some of you believe it. Some of you go, he's talking to you. No, he's talking to you. It has nothing to do with your planning. It has nothing to do with God's timing. For example, how many of you planted gardens this year? Okay, a few of you. You put the seed in the ground. You put the plant in the ground. What? You look on the thing and it says, you know, the harvest should come in 65 days or 85 days or 120 days or whatever it is. That's chronos time, right? And, and, and it's linked to God, that time because that's the way God ordained it. But Kairos, suddenly, it's instant. It's a relatively short period of time. It's beyond the natural ability for something to take place. That would be like you put seeds in the ground yesterday, and tomorrow you walk out and there's tomatoes. You would go, whoa. I mean, like, whoa. I think I'm going to go get somebody to see this because it just it bypasses the natural. It goes beyond the natural ability. And that's why I can look at the evil taking place in the earth, and that's why I can see the agenda of evil people taking place, shaping up. I can see deadness in the churches across the landscape of America. And that's why I can see a Kairos moment when God steps out and the glory of God begins to sweep the nation. And that's when I can say, I can see an army of God rising up. That's why I can hear the sound of the roar of battle in the spirit realm. That's why I can say, church, it's time to get ready. There's a harvest of souls that's coming. There's an outbreak of miracles and signs, but God is not limited. Listen to me. God is not limited to what party controls the White House or Congress or the Supreme Court. God is able, and he's more than willing, to go out and find a modern-day Saul that is presently persecuting the church and convert them into a Paul who leads thousands to Jesus Christ. Think of it. Moses was born in a Kairos moment. Moses, the deliverer of God's people, was born in a moment when there was a death edict that was proclaimed upon God's people's babies. Why would God send Moses to be born during a time when the order of the land is kill any Jewish babies? Because God had a plan. He had a moment. And who does he use? He gets the daughter of the man who sent forth the order to kill the Jewish babies to go pick up Moses in a basket down by the river. Don't tell me that's just ordinary. And the Bible says she knew he was a Hebrew child. He should have never lived, but why did he 
live because God decreed a Kairos moment from heaven. And I'm here to tell you that heaven's decree overrules any judgment that is given here on earth. Matthew 6 and 10, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know what? You are basically praying. You're saying, God, let your kairos moment in heaven be brought forth on the earth that your glory in your kingdom might go forth in your name and power. And the enemy of God and his people wants to steal that kairos moment from your life. He wants to steal it. First Peter 5 and 8 says, be alert, be sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking for someone to devour. John 10 and 10, what does it say? The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. In John chapter 5, Jesus walks up to a man by the pool of Bethesda. The Bible says he'd been there 38 years. And the, the word was that and every once in a while, an angel would come and stir the water. And once the water began to stir, the first person in the water would get healed of whatever affliction they had. That man had been laying there for 38 years. Some of you, that's twice your age. That's a long time. And Jesus walks up to him, and he doesn't go, poor man, somebody ought to help him. He just says, do you want to be healed? And immediately the man begins to make an excuse. I don't have anybody who can help me when the water gets stirred and I get close. Oh, and I've been so close so many times. He's talking like church people talk, you know. And he, oh, I was so close, but somebody got in there ahead of me. And then I just, and Jesus, the tense in which it is written, says that Jesus said in a stern voice, do you want to be healed or not? That's the manner in which it's written. Do you want to be healed or not? Jesus didn't say, well, let me see if I can find someone who'll sit here with you. And so when the water gets stirred, they can pick you up and throw you in real quick and you can get there ahead of them. He didn't say that. He said, do you want to be healed? Yes or no? And we know what happens. Jesus heals. And then Jesus commits a no-no. He did it on the Sabbath. And he tells the man, take up your mat and walk. You're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. You can't carry things on the Sabbath. That's considered work. And he gets up and takes up his mat, and the religious leaders run to God down practically going, what are you doing carrying that mat? He said, the man who healed me of my crippledness said, get up and walk. I got up and walked. And they go, well, who, did, who said that? And he goes, I don't know who it was. He said, well, we need to know who it was. I mean, they came, they didn't go, Woo, look at him. He's walking. Praise God, he's walking. No, he's carrying his mat. God would never do it that way. And I tell you, get ready, because when God does a Kairos moment in your life, it's going to be done in such a way that will blow your socks off. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you, 
The church in America has been looking for chronos moments. We've been looking for the midterms, uh, elections. We're looking for appointments on the Supreme Court. But can I tell you, God's not limited to those things. Yes, he can use those things, but our God is much bigger and much greater. Daniel chapter 2, verse 20 and 21, last verse. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. It is he who changes the times and season. He removes kings and sets up kings. You have to stay strong. You need to believe and you need to stand on the fact that God is the God of a Kairos moment and at any moment in time and place, he will allow that and bring it to pass in your life and you may not even recognize it at that moment. But when you walk through, you'll suddenly look back and you'll say, that was the moment that changed my life. And right now, I want to pray for you. There's, there's people in here, you are weary from the walk. You are weary from holding on. You are weary, you're faithful, but you're weary and you're tired and you're saying, God, when is that going to happen? Where is it going to happen? I cannot answer that question for you, but I can tell you I know the one who does know. And if that's you, I want you to stand right now, boldly, right where you're at. Well, just stand up right now. Come on. Quit looking around. See if the person around you is going to stand. Get up if that's you. This is your Kairos moment. This may be it right here. Can I tell you two weeks ago when Dr. Dennis was here, there, I'm telling you there were people all over the floor in here. There was moments in here. I had a Kairos moment myself. I was the last one to be prayed for that, that Monday morning because <laughs> it was after midnight. And I had my phone in my pocket, and I had it on record for almost an hour. And he said things to me that no one else knew. And then God said, I've wired you this way. I've made you this way for a reason. And the weight that went off me, I cannot tell you the weight that went off me. It was just like from inside, it just went off me. And suddenly, the glory of God just fell on me. But can I tell you, I've had my, my spells. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. I've had those moments when the Holy Ghost plants you on the floor. And that one happened that night. God brought deliverance in me as I began to scream out from my innermost being. God set me free from the fear of missing the moment, the fear of not being where I should be, not having done what I should have done. And then I saw it. Oh, I saw it, my friends. I saw it. I saw it. I began to see light like a strobe light flickering in the distance. How many of you know what a strobe light is? Just like, but it was something like something was blocking the way. And suddenly I noticed that there was something moving towards me. 
like a whole line of something moving, and the light was behind it. And every once in a while, that light would burst forth through that, that line of something that was moving. And then all of a sudden, I saw another wave of that line coming over a hillside. And I saw the light behind it. And I saw the light behind it. It started coming. Then I saw another line. And, and I realized it was people. It was people. And the, the light was the glory of God. The light was the glory of God. And it was coming. And all of a sudden, I began saying out loud, I can say, do you see it? I can see it. I can see it. I can see it. It was getting closer, and it was getting closer. It was getting closer. And then all of a sudden, I said, do you hear the roar? Do you hear the roar? Do you hear the roar? And it was the roar of a, of a people who were filled with a Kairos moment, who understood the time and the hour and the purpose for their lives, and they're filled with the Spirit, and they were moving in unison. And the glory of God was following them. Every place they went, it followed, and it was coming closer, and I watched it and watched it. And every time I thought it would end, it got closer and closer and closer and closer and closer. I could hear the roar. I could still hear it. I could still hear it. Because I've seen the army. I've seen what God's getting ready to do. I don't know how. I don't know when. I don't know what manner. I don't know what place. I don't know what it's going to be. But I could, I've already seen it coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's on, the, it's on God's timeline. And at some point, some place, you're going to be walking, doing what you're called to do. And boom, God's going to meet you right there. He's going to bring that moment and intersect your life and change you in such a way you'll be drastically changed forever. In ways you think God can't even do, he will do. He will do. Are you ready? Are you ready? Father, right now, I pray for every single one who's standing in this place. Pray for them right now, Father, in Jesus' name. I break the weariness off of them. That spirit of weariness that has tried to beat them down, that has tried to defeat them, that has tried to cause them to throw in the towel and call it quits. I come against that spirit. I come against every negative word that has been spoken into their life that is in contrariness to your word and your purpose for them. And I cancel it out in the name of Jesus. I break its hold and I release the spirit of boldness. Undergird them with your strength, O oh God. Let the spirit of boldness come upon them. Holy boldness. Holy boldness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, come on. Come on. I'm telling you. 
It's time for you to just say, I shake this thing off. I refuse it. I will not carry it anymore. I am not going to surrender myself to these negative words. I am not going to listen to these lies. I believe God's word. God's word is true. God is not a man that he lies. Every promise he's promised, he'll faithfully fulfill. I will see it come to pass. It is even now happening in Jesus' name. Come on, come on, come on, come on. I hear the sound. I hear the sound. <laughs> I hear the sound. Come on, church. Come on, raise your voice and begin to praise him. Begin to praise him, begin to praise him, begin to praise him. God, we praise you. We thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We thank you, God, for the call that is upon each and every one. I thank you, Lord, that your purpose is proclaimed, its word is put forth, and in Jesus' name, it will come to pass. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to your name, Lord God. Glory to your name, Lord God. Father, in meantime, we will be faithful. Your word says, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith in the earth? Will he find faithfulness among his people? Will he find it, Lord? We will be. We will not live from high moment to high moment. We will walk each and every day. Father, we understand that you have set the days and the hours of our life. You have established day and night. You have established spring, summer, fall, winter. You've established the weeks. You've established days. You've established work hours. You've established family hours. You've established all of that. God, we're going to walk it, and, and we're going to do it with, with the mindfulness that God will be found faithful in every moment that we have. But God, help us. Quicken our spirits to recognize when that Kairos moment comes. God, it be done for the glory of your name. The glory of your name. Listen, that Kairos moment's not for your glory. It's not for your glory. It's not for someone else's glory. It's for him. It's the, for the glory of his name, for what he's doing. That's what it's for. That's what it's for. It's all about him. It's all about him. It's all about him. We're just clay. He's the potter. And he's formulating your life and doing what he wants, how he wants, when he wants. And don't be complaining about it. Be, be Change your tune. Change your words. Begin to be thankful. Lift up your voice and be thankful every day. Thank you, Lord, for another day. Another day that I'm alive. Another day I can praise you. Another day I can work for you. Another day I can tell someone else about you. Another day. Thank you, Lord, for another day. I praise you for it. In Jesus' name. Now, you may be here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, this is your Kairos moment. 
This is the moment. The, today is the day of salvation. The Bible says you need to come to Christ. You need to surrender your life. And if you're ready to say, Pastor Bob, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want, I want to give him control of my life. I want to follow him the rest of my days. I want to receive Jesus. I want you to boldly just lift up your hand and wave it at me and I'll come over there and I'll pray for you right now. I know most of you and I know where you stand with the Lord, but I don't want any, if there's a person here who needs to receive Christ, I'd hate to preach a message and then let them walk out the door without meeting Jesus. But stand together. I want to pray once again. Pastor Josh really hit it this morning, man, when he's talking about praying for the prodigals, praying for those who are away from God, once knew God, and they're away from God. I'm telling you, God, God's got a special place in his heart for them, and he wants to bring them home. I believe that God has a Kairos moment, even for the prodigals. The prodigal son, we're told, he said at one point when he's feeding the pigs, he's going, the servants in my house eat better than this. I'm going home to my father and, let, and ask if I can be a servant. He had that moment of awakening. I believe God wants to do that in the prodigal's lives right now. How many of you know one? That's away from God. Look around. Look around. I want you to see something. You are not alone. You are not alone. So let's pray right now. Can you believe that God would find a moment in their life to intersect with where they're at, what they're doing, in such a way that it would cause them to realize, oh, hmm. They would recognize God, that's what I pray right now. Father, as Christians, it's sometimes hard to recognize that moment when, you, when you're working in that way. But God, we pray for those who are away from you, who once knew you, who once tasted the good things of God, who once knew the favor of God, who once knew the presence and the glory of God. Father, I pray that they have an awakening moment like a Damascus Road experience that intersects their life at that moment, God, where you know that it will have the greatest impact and that they would recognize it for what it is and they would respond in the affirmative and say, I'm going home. I'm going back to the Father. I'm going back to my Father. In Jesus' name. Even now, heaven is setting it in, into motion. Even now, heaven is setting it into motion. When the enemy comes and say, I don't see anything. I don't see anything. Don't listen to that. You better talk back. You see, God's word is true. God does not lie. God has made his promise sure. I will see it happen in my day. Don't give the enemy one inch of ground in your thinking, in your heart. 
Do not surrender. Draw a line. Dare him to step across it. And if he does, let him have it by the power of the Holy Ghost and the Word of God. In Jesus' name. Now, God, we go back out into this world and recognize that, God, we're going through everyday moments. God, as the, as the day is established, but there will be divine appointments upon our calendars that we don't even know about yet. And God, let us be found faithful when it comes. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And amen. I will rest in your promise. Come on, you gotta learn to rest in his promises. Confidence is your faithfulness. I will rest in your fair promises. My confidence. Is your faithfulness faithful?